Section 30 of The Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 30. Chapter 32. Varieties of the Onion. Garlic and onions are invoked by the Egyptians when taking an oath, in the number of their deities. The Greeks have many varieties of the onion, the Sardian onion, the Samothracian, the Alcedinian, the Satanian, the Skiston, and the Ascalonian, so called from Ascalon, a city of Judea. They have, all of them, a pungent smell, which draws tears from the eyes, those of Cyprus more particularly, and those of Snidos the least of all. In all of them the body is composed of a cartilage of an unctuous nature. The variety known as the Satanian is the smallest of them all, with the exception of the Tusculan onion, but it is sweet to the taste. The Skiston and the Ascalonian kinds are used for storing. The Skiston onion is left during the winter with the leaves on. In the spring it is stripped of them, upon which offsets make their appearance at the same divisions as the leaves. It is to this circumstance that this variety owes its name. Taking the hint from this fact, it is recommended to strip the other kinds of their leaves, to make them bulb all the better, instead of running to seed. The Ascalonian onion is of a peculiar nature, being barren in some measure in the root. Hence it is that the Greeks have recommended it to be reproduced from seed, and not from roots. The transplanting, too, they say, should be done later in the spring, at the time the plant germinates. The result being that it bulbs with all the greater rapidity, and hastens, as it were, to make up for lost time. Great dispatch, however, is requisite in taking it up, for when ripe it rots with the greatest rapidity. If propagated from roots, it throws out a long stalk, runs rapidly to seed, and dies. There are considerable differences, too, in the color of the onion. The widest of all are those grown at Issus and Sardes. The onions, too, of Crete are held in high esteem, but there is some doubt whether they are not the same as the Ascalonian variety, for when grown from seed they produce a fine bulb, but when planted they throw out a long stalk and run to seed. In fact, they differ from the Ascalonian kind only in the sweetness of their flavor. Among us there are two principal varieties known of the onion. The scallion, employed for seasonings as one, known to the Greeks by the name of Gethion, and by us as the Palakana. It is sown in March, April, and May. The other kind is the bulbed or headed onion. It is sown just after the autumnal equinox, or else after the west winds have begun to prevail. The varieties of this last kind, ranged according to their relative degrees of pungency, are the African onion, the Gallic, the Tusculan, the Ascalonian, and the Amaternian. The roundest in shape are the best. The red onion, too, is more pungent than the white, the stored than the fresh, the raw than the cooked, 
and the dried than the preserved. The onion of Amaternum is cultivated in cold, humid localities, and is the only one that is reproduced from heads, like garlic, the other kinds being grown from seed. This last kind yields no seed in the ensuing summer, but a bulb only, which dries and keeps, but in the summer after the contrary is the case, for seed is produced, while the bulb very quickly spoils. Hence it is that every year there are two separate sowings, one of seed for the reproduction of bulbs, and one of bulbs for the growth of seed. These onions keep best in chaff. The scallion has hardly any bulb at all, but a long neck only. Hence it is nothing but leaf, and is often cut down, like the leek. For this reason, too, like the leek, it is grown from seed, and not from plants. In addition to these particulars, it is recommended that the ground intended for sowing onions should be turned up three times, care being taken to remove all roots and weeds. Ten pounds of seed is the proper proportion for a yugurum. Savory, too, they say, should be mixed with them, the onions being all the finer for it. The ground, too, should be stabbed and hoed four times at least, if not oftener. In Italy, the Ascalonian onion is sown in the month of February. The seed of the onion is gathered when it begins to turn black, and before it becomes dry and shriveled. Chapter 33 The Leek while upon this subject, it will be well, too, to speak of the leek, on account of the affinity which it bears to the plants just mentioned, and more particularly because cut leek has recently acquired considerable celebrity from the use made of it by the Emperor Nero. That prince, to improve his voice, used to eat leeks and oil every month, upon stated days, abstaining from every other kind of food, and not touching so much as a morsel of bread even. Leeks are reproduced from seed, sown just after the autumnal equinox. If they are intended for cutting, the seed is sown thicker than otherwise. The leeks in the same bed are cut repeatedly, till it is quite exhausted, and they are always kept well manured. If they are wanted to bulb before being cut, when they have grown to some size they are transplanted to another bed, the extremities of the leaves being snipped off without touching the white part and the head stripped of the outer coats. The ancients were in the habit of placing a stone or potsherd upon the leek, to make the head grow all the larger, and the same with the bulbs as well. But at the present day it is the usual practice to move the fibrous roots gently with the weeding hook, so that by being bent they may nourish the plant, and not withdraw the juices from it. It is a remarkable fact that, Though the leek stands in need of manure and a rich soil, it has a particular aversion to water, and yet its nature depends very much upon the natural properties of the soil. The most esteemed leeks are those grown in Egypt, and next to them those of Ostia and Aresia. Of the leek for cutting, there are two varieties, that with grass-green leaves and incisions distinctly traced on them, and the leek with paler and rounder leaves, the incisions being more lightly marked. There is a story told that Mela, a member of the equestrian order, being accused of maladministration by order of the emperor Tiberius, swallowed in his despair leek juice to the amount of three denarii in weight of silver, 
and expired upon the spot without the slightest symptom of pain. It is said, however, that a larger dose than this is productive of no injurious effects whatever. Chapter 34 Garlic Garlic is generally supposed, in the country more particularly, to be a good specific for numerous maladies. The external coat consists of membranes of remarkable fineness, which are universally discarded when the vegetable is used, the inner part being formed by the union of several cloves, each of which has also a separate coat of its own. The flavor of it is pungent, and the more numerous the cloves, the more pungent it is. Like the onion, it imparts an offensive smell to the breath, but this is not the case when it is cooked. The various species of garlic are distinguished by the periods at which they ripen. The early kind becomes fit for use in sixty days. Another distinction, too, is formed by the relative size of the heads. Ulpicum, also generally known to the Greeks as Cyprian garlic, belongs to this class. By some persons it is called antiscorodon, and in Africa more particularly it holds a high rank among the dishes of the rural population. It is of a larger size than ordinary garlic. When beaten up with oil and vinegar, it is quite surprising what a quantity of creaming foam is produced. There are some persons who recommend that neither opicum nor garlic should be sown on level ground, but say that they should be planted in little mounds trenched up at a distance of three feet apart. Between each clove, they say, there should be a distance of four fingers left, and as soon as ever three leaves are visible, the head should be hoed. The oftener they are hoed, the larger the size they will attain. When they begin to ripen, the stalks are bent downwards and covered over with earth, a precaution which effectually prevents them from running to leaf. In cold soils, it is considered better to plant them in spring than in autumn. For the purpose of depriving all these plants of their strong smell, it is recommended to set them when the moon is below the horizon, and to take them up when she is in conjunction. Independently of these precautions, we find Menander, one of the Greek writers, recommending those who have been eating garlic to eat immediately afterwards a root of beet roasted on hot coals. If this is done, he says, the strong smell of the garlic will be effectually neutralized. Some persons are of opinion that the proper period for planting garlic and opicum is between the festival of the Compitalia and that of the Saturnalia. Garlic, too, can be grown from seed, but it is very slow, in such case, in coming to maturity, for in the first year the head attains the size only of that of a leek. In the second it separates into cloves, and only in the third it arrives at maturity. There are some, however, who think that garlic grown this way is the best. Garlic should never be allowed to run to seed, but the stalk should be twisted to promote its growth, and to make the head attain a larger size. If garlic or onions are wanted to keep some time, the head should be dipped in salt water, made lukewarm. By doing this, they will be all the better for keeping, though quite worthless for reproduction. Some persons content themselves with hanging them over burning coals, 
and are of opinion that this is quite sufficient to prevent them from sprouting. For it is a well-known fact that both garlic and onions sprout when out of the ground, and that after throwing out their thin shoots they shrivel away to nothing. Some persons are of opinion, too, that the best way of keeping garlic is by storing it in chaff. There is a kind of garlic that grows spontaneously in the fields, and is known by the name of alum. To preserve the seeds that are sown there from the remorseless ravages of the birds, this plant is scattered over the ground, being first boiled, to prevent it from shooting. As soon as ever they have eaten of it, the birds become so stupefied as to be taken with the hand even, and if they remain but a few moments only on the spot, they fall fast asleep. There is a wild garlic, too, generally known as bear's garlic. It has exactly the smell of millet, with a very small head and large leaves. Chapter 35 7. The number of days required for the respective plants to make their appearance above ground. Among the garden plants which make their appearance most speedily above ground are osimum, blight, the turnip, and rocket, for they appear above the surface the third day after they are sown. Anise, again, comes up on the fourth day, the lettuce on the fifth, the radish on the sixth, the cucumber and the gourd on the seventh, the cucumber rather the first of the two, cresses and mustard on the fifth, beet on the sixth day in summer and the tenth in winter, orage on the eighth, onions on the nineteenth or twentieth, and scallions on the tenth or twelfth. Coriander, again, is more stubborn in its growth. Cunilla and wild marjoram do not appear till after the thirtieth day, and parsley comes up with the greatest difficulty of all, for at the very earliest it is forty days before it shows itself, and in most instances as much as fifty. The age, too, of the seed is of some importance in this respect, for fresh seed comes up more rapidly in the case of the leek, the scallion, the cucumber, and the gourd, while in that of parsley, beet, cardamom, canilla, wild marjoram, and coriander, seed that has been kept for some time is the best. There is one remarkable circumstance in connection with the seed of beet. It does not all germinate in the first year, but some of it in the second, and some in the third even. Hence it is that a considerable quantity of seed produces only a very moderate crop. Some plants produce only in the year in which they are set, and some again for successive years, parsley, leeks, and scallions, for instance. Indeed, these plants, when once sown, retain their fertility and produce for many years. Chapter 36 The Nature of the Various Seeds in most plants the seed is round, in some oblong. It is broad and foliaceous in some, orage for instance, while in others it is narrow and grooved, as in cumin. There are differences also in the color of seeds, which is either black or white. While some seeds are woody and hard, in radishes, mustard and rape the seeds are enclosed in pods. In parsley, coriander, anise, fennel, and cumin, the seed has no covering at all, while in blight, beet, orage, 
and osimum, it has an outer coat, and in the lettuce it is covered with a fine down. There is no seed more prolific than that of osimum. It is generally recommended to sow it with the utterance of curses and imprecations, the result being that it grows all the better for it. The earth, too, is rammed down when it is sown, and prayers are offered that the seed may never come up. The seeds which are enveloped in an outer coat are dried with considerable difficulty, that of osimum more particularly. Hence it is that all these seeds are dried artificially, their fruitfulness being greatly promoted thereby. Plants in general come up better when the seed is sown in heaps than when it is scattered broadcast. Leeks, in fact, and parsley are generally grown by sowing the seed in little bags. In the case of parsley, too, a hole is made with the dibble and a layer of manure inserted. All garden plants grow either from seed or from slips, and some from both seed and suckers, such as rue, wild marjoram, and osimum, for example, this last being usually cut when it is a palm in height. Some kinds, again, are reproduced from both seed and root, as in the case of onions, garlic, and bulbs, and those other plants of which, though annuals themselves, the roots retain their vitality. In those plants which grow from the root, it lives for a considerable time, and throws out offsets, as in bulbs, scallions, and squills, for example. Others, again, throw out offsets, though not from a bulbous root, such as parsley and beet, for instance. When the stalk is cut, with the exception of those which have not a rough stem, nearly all these plants put forth fresh shoots, a thing that may be seen in osimum, the radish, and the lettuce, which are in daily use among us. Indeed, it is generally thought that the lettuce which is grown from a fresh sprouting is the sweetest. The radish, too, is more pleasant eating when the leaves have been removed before it has begun to run to stalk. The same is the case, too, with rape, for when the leaves are taken off and the roots well covered up with earth, it grows all the larger for it, and keeps in good preservation till the ensuing summer. Chapter 37 Plants of which there is but a single kind plants of which there are several kinds. Of osimum, lapithum, blight, cresses, rocket, orage, coriander, and anise, respectively, there is but a single kind, these plants being the same everywhere, and no better in one place than in another. It is the general belief that stolen rue grows the best, while, on the other hand, bees that have been stolen will never thrive. Wild mint, catmint, endive, and pennyroyal will grow even without any cultivation. With reference to the plants of which we have already spoken, or shall have occasion to speak, there are numerous varieties of many of them, parsley more particularly. 8. As to the kind of parsley which grows spontaneously in moist localities, it is known by the name of heliocelinum. It has a single leaf only, and is not rough at the edges. In dry places, we find growing the kind known as hypocelinum, consisting of numerous leaves, similar to heliocelinum. A third variety is the oreocelinum, with leaves like those of hemlock, 
and a thin, fine root, the seed being similar to that of anise, only somewhat smaller. The differences, again, that are found to exist in cultivated parsley consist in the comparative density of the leaves, the crispness or smoothness of their edges, and the thinness or thickness of the stem, as the case may be. In some kinds, again, the stem is white, in others purple, and in others mottled. Chapter 38. The Nature and Varieties of 23 Garden Plants. The Lettuce. Its Different Varieties. The Greeks have distinguished three varieties of the lettuce. The first with a stalk so large that small garden gates, it is said, have been made of it. The leaf of this lettuce is somewhat larger than that of the herbaceous or green lettuce, but extremely narrow, the nutriment seeming to be expended on the other parts of the plant. The second kind is that with a rounded stalk, and the third is the low squat lettuce, generally known as the Laconian lettuce. Some persons have made distinctions in reference to their respective colors, and the times for sowing them. The black lettuce is sown in the month of January, the white in March, and the red in April, and they are fit for transplanting, all of them, at the end of a couple of months. Those again who have pursued these enquiries even further than this have distinguished a still greater number of varieties of them. The purple, the crisped, the Cappadocian, and the Greek lettuce, this last having a longer leaf than the rest, and a broad stalk, in addition to which there is one with a long narrow leaf, very similar to endive in appearance. The most inferior kind, however, of all, is the one to which the Greeks, censuring it for its bitterness, have given the name of picris. There is still another variety, a kind of white lettuce, called meconis, a name which it derives from the abundance of milk, of a narcotic quality, which it produces, though in fact it is generally thought that they are all of them of a soporific tendency. In former times this last was the only kind of lettuce that was held in any esteem in Italy, the name La Tuca having been given it on account of the milk which it contains. The purple kind, with a very large root, is generally known as the Sicilian lettuce, while the round one, with an extremely diminutive root and broad leaves, is known to some persons as the Astatus, and to others as the Unicion, it having the effect, in a remarkable degree, of quenching the amorous propensities. Indeed, they are all of them possessed of cooling and refreshing properties, for which reason it is that they are so highly esteemed in summer. They have the effect also of removing from the stomach distaste for food, and of promoting the appetite. At all events, we find it stated that the late Emperor Augustus, when ill, was saved, on one occasion, thanks to the skill of his physician, Musa, by eating lettuces, a food which the excessive scruples of his former physician, C. Aemilius, had forbidden him. At the present day, however, lettuces have risen into such high estimation that a method has been discovered even of preserving them during the months in which they are out of season, by keeping them in oxymel. It is generally supposed, also, that lettuces have the effect of making blood. 
In addition to the above varieties, there is another kind of lettuce known as the goat's lettuce, of which we shall have occasion to make further mention when we come to the medicinal plants. At the moment, too, that I am writing this, a new species of cultivated lettuce has been introduced, known as the Sicilian lettuce, and held in very considerable esteem. The leaf of it is similar to that of the Cappadocian lettuce, except that it is crisped and somewhat larger. Chapter 39 Endive Endive, though it cannot exactly be said to be of the same genus as the lettuce, still cannot be pronounced to belong to any other. It is a plant better able to endure the rigors of the winter than the lettuce, and possessed of a more acrid taste, though the flavor of the stalk is equally agreeable. Endive is sown at the beginning of spring and transplanted at the end of that season. There is also a kind of spreading endive, known in Egypt as Sicorium, of which we shall have occasion to speak elsewhere more at length. A method has been discovered of preserving all of the thyrsi, or leaves of the lettuce, in pots, the object being to have them fresh when wanted for boiling. Lettuces may be sown all the year through in a good soil, well watered and carefully manured, two months being allowed to intervene between sowing and transplanting, and two more between transplanting and gathering them when ripe. The rule is, however, to sow them just after the winter solstice, and to transplant when the west winds begin to prevail, or else to sow at this latter period, and to plant out at the vernal equinox. The white lettuce is the best adapted for standing the rigors of the winter. All the garden plants are fond of moisture. Lettuces thrive more particularly when well manured, and endive even more so. Indeed, it is found an excellent plan to plant them out with the roots covered up in manure, and to keep up the supply, the earth being cleared away for that purpose. Some again have another method of increasing their size. They cut them down when they have reached half a foot in height, and cover them with fresh swine's dung. It is the general opinion that those lettuces will only admit of being blanched which are produced from white seed, and even then, as soon as they begin to grow, sand from the seashore should be spread over them, care being taken to tie the leaves as soon as ever they begin to come to any size. Chapter 40 Beet Four Varieties of It Beet is the smoothest of all the garden plants. The Greeks distinguish two kinds of beet, according to the color, the black and the white. The last, which is the kind generally preferred, has but very little seed, and is generally known as the Sicilian beet, just as it is the white lettuce that is held in the highest degree of esteem. Our people, also, distinguish two varieties of beet, the spring and the autumn kinds, so-called from the periods of sowing, although sometimes we find beet sown in June, even. This is a plant, too, that is sometimes transplanted, and it thrives all the better, like the lettuce, if the roots are well covered with manure, in a moist soil. Beet is mostly eaten with lentils and beans. It is prepared also in the same way as cabbage, with mustard more particularly, the pungency of which relieves its insipidity. 
medical men are of opinion that beet is a more unwholesome vegetable than cabbage. Hence it is that I never remember seeing it served at table. Indeed, there are some persons who scruple to taste it even, from a conviction that it is a food suitable only for persons of a robust constitution. Beet is a vegetable with twofold characteristics, partaking of the nature of the cabbage in its leaves, and resembling a bulb in the root. That which grows to the greatest breadth, being the most highly esteemed. This plant, like the lettuce, is made to grow to head by putting a light weight upon it the moment it begins to assume its proper color. Indeed, there is no garden plant that grows to a larger head than this, as it sometimes spread to a couple of feet in breadth, the nature of the soil contributing in a very considerable degree to its size. Those found in the territory of Circe attain the largest size. Some persons think that the best time for sowing beet is when the pomegranate is in flower, and are of opinion that it ought to be transplanted as soon as it has thrown out five leaves. There is a singular difference, if indeed it really exists, between the two varieties of beet, the white kind being remarkable for its purgative qualities, and the black being equally astringent. When wine in the vat has been deteriorated by assuming a flavor like that of cabbage, its original flavor is restored, it is said, by plunging beet leaves into it. End of section 30 Recording by Ramon Escamilla Conway, Arkansas R-A-M-O-N-E-S-C-A-M-I-L-L-A dot wordpress dot com